On today's episode of the Hustle of the Day podcast, I have Kendra Swalls. Kendra is a former educator turned photographer and then used that experience to become a photographer educator. Awesome story. Make sure to tune in. Check it out. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle Today podcast. My name is Trent, and I am very honored to have Kendra Swalls here today. Um, Kendra, uh, I could try and uh, intro you, but you could do it better than I can. So why don't you jump in and kind of tell us a little bit about yourself? Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to be here and chat with you today. Um, So yeah, my name is Kendra Swalls. I live in the Dallas area, and I am a full-time wedding and portrait photographer I also have an education site where I help other business owners get their business started and off the ground along with a podcast I've recently started. So just kind of doing all the things. I'm a mom to two girls, a former full-time teacher turned entrepreneur, just trying to balance it all. Some days doing better than other days. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all of us. We're, we're all having our good days. We're all having our, our test days, as I like to call yes. them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got a, a great resume already of, you know, things that you're doing. And, you know, I love that. Uh, I love the people that bring, you know, the family aspect into it, too, because it is a big part of our lives. You know, being a, a dad of three, you know, I know, family is a big part of our business, even when we're not, they're not there working on the business with you. Uh, but I want to kind of jump into it and ask you who, who's been most influential on you on in your life, whether personal or business? Yeah. So that would definitely be my mom. Um, you know, looking back, it's interesting how you you view your parents differently the older you get. Absolutely. <laughs> and I didn't realize how big of an influence my mom was on my life until I started my own business. And looking back, you know, growing up, she actually ran a family business that we had. And mm-hmm. I wouldn't have thought of her as an entrepreneur in a traditional sense of she started her own business, but it was she ran the business that my great grandfather had started. And she worked long hours and she put everything she had into her business. And when she wasn't doing that, she was putting everything she had into our family. And of course, there were times when I would get frustrated that she wasn't at, you know, my school field trip or my basketball game or whatever. But looking back, I see now being a mom of my own, like what she was having to sacrifice to give us the life that we had. And the older I get and we're very close now, I'm an only child. So that's just me, but she and I are very close now and she's my number one supporter. She's a hundred percent. She was the one pushing me to follow my dreams. And, you know, when it was scary, the idea of giving up a really great full-time job to live this kind of different version of a life where you live your own by your own rules and you set your own calendar and you run your own business and a lot of people were doubting it and questioning it. She was the one right there saying, no, if this is what you really want to do, then you need to go for it. You need to try it. And if it doesn't work out, you have something to fall back on. But she's always been there supporting me. And she's kind of my example of what it's like to be a working mom and trying to do it really well. And even though there were times when I felt like she wasn't doing the best job, because kids always have a skewed perspective. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Looking back now, I'm like, no, she did an amazing job of raising me and providing for our family and building a business that was super successful. So she definitely has been a huge influence on my life. Very cool. Yeah, I I agree with you. I've grew up with a mom who's very entrepreneurial and 
um, you know, at the time it's like, Hey, you know, what's, what's going on? You're, you're always here or there or whatnot. And looking back, you definitely have a different perspective and more respect for what they were doing. And so I, I appreciate that you, you understand that now too, like, like myself. Uh, one thing though, that you mentioned that kind of stood out to me is you talked about how scary it was to make that transition from a full-time, uh, full-time you know, job, a regular nine to five, uh, I guess a teacher isn't a good way to, an educator isn't a good way to say a nine to five because, uh, you know, knowing some of my kids' teachers, they're there for a lot longer than that. Obviously you get that break there right, right. Uh, in, in the middle, but um, tell us a little bit about that transition that you made going from the traditional job to a full-time, uh, taking your side hustle to a full-time job. Yeah. So, you know, I, we were chatting a little bit before about kind of my background, but growing up, I always thought teaching was my path. I loved, I loved school. I loved being a student. I loved the idea of being a teacher when I went into college. Like there was no question in my mind, like teaching was the direction I wanted to go. And once I got into the classroom and after the first several years of really loving it, you know, any, and really with anything, it kind of the newness wears off, the shininess wears off. But um, after several years, I thought, okay, I want to do something different. I need a change of pace. And again, not really knowing any other path, I was like, well, I guess I'm going to continue in education, but maybe go into administration or um, you know, counseling or something like that. So I went back and got my master's degree in curriculum, wanted to be a math coordinator for a district and write curriculum and do all mm-hmm. these things. Um, ended up getting that job. You know, it's kind of interesting how when you you reach for something. And when you finally achieve it, you're like, oh, it's not quite as exciting as I thought of it. (laughs) But I had this really great job, you know, when it comes to education, anything that's not necessarily in the classroom is considered, I don't want to say a cushy job because none of it's cushy, but I had a really great schedule. I could set my own schedule. I was able to work with teachers. Um, I worked with students a little bit too, but I had this flexibility. I had, you know, summers off and weekends off and Um, you know, I could leave at four or five o'clock and kind of leave it all at school and come home and be mom and be wife and be with family. And so, and of course the pay was decent. I mean, you're a teacher, you're not getting a ton of money, but it was a steady income. Yeah. And, but I just had this nagging feeling inside of me that there was something else that I was supposed to be doing, that there was something I was not tapping into. Mm -hmm. And so you know, my husband kind of pushed me to try some hobbies. He bought me a digital camera that got me into photography. I taught myself how to use it, started taking pictures of anybody and any, mostly my dog at the time, because I didn't have kids and (laughs) my dog was old and she would just kind of lay there. So I would take pictures of of my dog. Um, and then I started taking pictures of families and friends and they wanted to hire me, started my photography business. And the more it grew and the more passionate I became about that, I found myself spending less time at, you know, laying in bed at night thinking about lesson plans or thinking about the next conference I could present at. I started thinking more about what's the next photo shoot I can do. What's the next way I can get new clients. What's the next marketing plan I can come up with. And when I realized that that was taking over the majority of my headspace, I was like, okay, something is shifting. Something's changing. Then you add in the fact that we had our first daughter And I never thought I would ever want to be one of those, you know, stay at home moms or a work from home mom. I was like, no, I need to be out around people and 
that, you know, kids are great, but that's what daycares are for. And then that kid comes along and everything changes and you, <laughs> you eat all the things you said in the past, you know? Yeah. And I was like, you know, I really want to do this and be home and, and being a mom is so important and being able to kind of control my own schedule became a yeah. huge thing for me. I was like, I don't want somebody else telling me you have to be here from this time to this time. And I control what you do during those hours. I wanted to set my own schedule. So I decided when our second daughter was born back in 2016, I was like, okay, I'm giving myself this next year to get things in order. And by the time she's one, I want to be able to have that freedom and flexibility. And Mm -hmm. I just, I worked my rear end off. I stepped outside of my comfort zone. I did things that I had been not do, not doing in the past because I had that safety net of my full-time job. And by the time she actually right around her first birthday, I put in my, my notice and um, kind of for me, fortunately, my principal was amazing. And she was like, if you ever need to come back, you have a job. You just call me wherever I am. I will find something for you. So I kind of had that backup plan a little bit, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I made that leap and I didn't go the traditional way of, you know, have six months in savings or a year in savings. I just kind of, in fact, I didn't even tell my husband I'd officially resign until about two weeks later. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We'd had the conversations. He knew right. it was coming, but I was like, I, I was a little bit nervous to like finally say I did it. So mm-hmm. I was like, uh, by the way, <laughs> I gave my notice two weeks ago. Um <laughs> And he was great. He was super supportive. But um, but yeah, I just sort of jumped. I knew I needed to rip out that safety net. And if I didn't do that, I think I was always just going to play it safe. I needed to be able to just do the things that were scary to make, but to make it work. And it's and it's worked. It's been great ever since. That's that's great. Yeah, you got to burn that bridge at some point because mm-hmm. you know you'll always be holding on to it if you don't. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I, I think you, what you're doing is great, and uh, obviously you've you've experienced some success with it, and things are going well enough that you're staying the course. But you gotta, I've got to ask, you know, how do you balance it? How do you balance life? How do you balance being a mom, a, a wife, and building a business? And not only building a business, now you've branched out into helping other people build their businesses. Yeah. Um, I don't always know the answer to this question. (laughs) And it's funny you asked me this today because just yesterday I had a little bit of a meltdown where I was, you know, I've been spending a lot more time on family right now. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had kids school activities and just this last week we have, we took a day just for a family day. My husband took off from work and we went and did activities as a family. And at the same time I was like, Oh, but I, I've got so much work I'm, I'm missing out on. And it's that whole you know, I feel guilty when I'm with my family because I'm leaving clients kind of in the mm-hmm. in the lurch waiting for emails or waiting for galleries or waiting for whatever from me. And then when I'm working, I feel guilty for not being with my kids or with my yeah. husband or whoever needs my attention. And so someone said this to me just recently and it really kind of resonated. And they said, you know, it's not about everything being 50-50. They said some days you're going to have, in your life, you're going to have faster horses and slower horses. And so at some point your faster horses are going to take the lead in the race. That doesn't mean the slower horses are out of the race. They're just Mm -hmm. back a little bit. And so I have kind of given myself some grace and I've said, okay, it's okay for me to 
spend today just focusing on family. And if I only get half my emails answered, then I only get half my emails answered. And then tomorrow, if I spend more time with my, you know, on my laptop or in the studio or whatever, and I don't see my kids as much, or I need one night away, it's okay because the next day I'll be there for them. And I've had this conversation with my husband a lot about, you know, the fact that because I do still have one little one at home with me, she's in like a little two day preschool program for a couple Mm -hmm. hours, but in the big scheme of things, like 10 hours a week when she's in preschool is not enough to run a full-time business. (laughs) And so I've just told him like, you know, there are going to be some days when you come home that I need to go out the door and either go to a coffee shop or find some place where I can go have a couple hours of uninterrupted work time. Mm-hmm. And so I've started kind of doing that a little bit more, but it's, it's an every day, like every morning I kind of wake up and I go, okay, which direction is it going to go today? You know, am I going to be more business minded? Am I going to be more family minded? Some days it, it is kind of a 50, 50 split, but it's, it's just an every day. You know, it's kind of like any other relationship. You have to work on it every single day and the balance yep. of life and business it's, it's the same thing. You have to put in the effort every day to say, okay, I can either go a hundred percent one way, or I can kind of do like a 30, 70 split. (laughs) It just depends, you know, what is needed of me each day. So. Absolutely. Um, so one going back a little bit, one thing that, uh, you also said that, um, was part of my entrepreneurship journey is you said that you wanted to be able to craft your schedule and, you know, be able to have that, ability to where you can have a family day where you can have uh, a day where you just focus on work. And uh, that's really where I want to be too. You know, I know I need to put in the hours, but you know, my wife and I have decided between 5 PM and 8 PM are in crucial hours because that's when all the activities are for the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, The kids go to bed around eight o'clock. And so it's like, that is quality focused family time. And then you know, outside of that, you know, there's, there's a lot of craziness that happens, but uh, (laughs) I like the ability as an entrepreneur to be able to craft that schedule. So we're definitely in alignment there. Yeah. That's the thing that drove me the most. And I've recently, you know, kind of learned about the Enneagram. I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram assessment that kind of gives everybody like, it's sort of like a personality test, but I feel Mm -hmm. like it goes a little bit deeper. And in like through taking that, in fact, I interviewed somebody on my podcast that was an Enneagram expert and she kind of walked through each of the different personality types. And when she talked about mine, one of the key factors was that I don't, we don't like to be confined to something that's, yeah. that's not in our control. And I was like, that describes me so perfectly. Like throughout my entire life, I can look back and see where I was like, okay, that's why I felt restless there because I was not in control of my own time or my own schedule or my own path or whatever it might be. And I think that that's a big thing. A lot of entrepreneurs feel is they want to have that power to make those decisions for themselves, not have somebody else making that decision for them. Yeah, absolutely. I, it definitely, I mean, control's not necessarily a word I like to use for that, but it is basically what it boils down to is you want to be able to control certain aspects of things, you know, and, um, it's, ultimately boiling down to, you know, you want to create an impact or a difference or uh, whatnot, but um, at the same time, you want to be able to do it your way without someone else telling you to do that. And I've Mm -hmm. talked with some other entrepreneurs that, you know, there are some organizations where you can create an impact, you can make a difference, but most often 
entrepreneurship is the the best path to do that. Yep, absolutely. And you're you're now uh, creating an impact uh, through um, not only your business but also your podcast. You know, you've you've been going through this photography journey and learning that and becoming an expert at it. And now you're teaching others in your um, in your area how to be an expert as well. Uh, tell us a little bit about that net, that transition from being the photographer to teaching the photographer in a way. Yeah, so it oddly just kind of naturally happened. I when I started my photography business. I didn't really know any other photographers in my area. I mean, I knew a handful of kind of the the big name people. And I found that sometimes when I would reach out to them, I would either not hear back or the responses I got were not necessarily the most friendly and welcoming. Mm -hmm. And I was like, there's got to be some, something else out there that's a community. And I had seen these larger, you know, kind of national communities on Facebook and message boards and forums and things like that. And I was like, I want something local. I want somebody that I can like go have coffee with because my poor husband, like he was just tired of hearing about camera lenses and F-stops and all that kind of stuff. He was like, I don't know what that is, but sure, I'll listen. And I was like, I need somebody that gets it. So I started my own photography group um, here in the DFW area and just for women photographers. And originally I was like, I'm just, if I get like 15, 20 people that join and we can all like get together and you know, and have coffee and talk or go have a girl's night or something, that'd be great. And it sort of naturally over the, I started that seven years ago, I believe. Mm -hmm. And over the last seven years, it just kind of has grown into this, its own sort of thing. And we do these big events every year. We have a Christmas party every year and we have meetups throughout the year because, you know, the Dallas area is huge. And so we have little pockets of people that have kind of formed their own little connections and groups. And so through that, I had this natural platform to share my expertise and my advice because I would notice that as the group grew, you know, I was becoming the one who kind of, I started it, I was sort of the one leading it, but I also had more knowledge than a lot of the women who were joining who were just in that beginning phase. And so I started sharing little tidbits inside that Facebook group. And then I would have women reaching out to me saying, well, I would love to, you know, mentor with you, or I'd love to meet up with you. I started hosting kind of little mini workshops here in the Dallas area. And from that, it just kind of led to other people saying, hey, if you want to know about how to start a business, this is the person to go to, you know, go talk to Kendra. Mm -hmm. And so it, and I think too, the fact that like I was a natural teacher, you know, I had my teaching background. I was used to this. I knew how to simplify things. I taught second graders. So I knew how to take things that were <laughs> difficult and abstract and put them into kind of second grade terms and language and, and understanding. And so I was able to naturally where other people, you know, it was difficult for them to understand certain things. It was easier for me to kind of explain it and map it out for them. And I had a lot of people over the years kind of saying, oh, you should turn this into a course or an online program or this or that. And um, I was blogging all the time. And while I love the idea of blogging, Mm -hmm. I don't write very well. I'm not a great writer. That's not my talent. And I was outsourcing it for a while. I was having other people write for me and it just wasn't working out. And once I learned about podcasts, I was like, oh, well, I could talk. I love to talk. (laughs) So this seems natural. I can do this. And I had the idea for a long time. And it's one of those things kind of set in the back of my mind. And then this year I was like, no, this is the year I'm going to do it. I'm just going to jump in. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to jump in and do it. And I started my podcast. It's called Girl Means Business. And 
I started off with just a handful of episodes about, you know, my story and a couple little marketing things and it's taken off and I love it. And I've, you know, I've, it's been the perfect balance of being able to help people globally, you know, broadly and not just here locally in the Dallas area, but then it's also led to people locally being able to find me and say, Hey, I want to work more closely with you one-on-one. So it's just kind of, again, that natural sort of transition from the classroom. And I remember thinking whenever I quit teaching, I was like, man, I feel like I'm closing a door on something that I really love. I mean, I enjoyed helping others. And I, I was like, I hate to sort of hang up that, that side of me. And I, I hated to walk away from that. And so now I'm able to combine those two together. And it just feels like this sort of perfect harmony of the passion I found in teaching and the passion I found in photography and business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know what, you're not the the first educator that I've uh, interviewed. And it's interesting that it is such a natural progression from for an educator to be a business owner. It's really, you know, using a lot of the same principles, like you said, simplifying things. Uh, it's, it's not something you typically think of as being a natural transition, but I'm finding out it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like I always tell people when they come in for mentoring sessions, they're like, well, but I really love what I do in my job or they're like, but I feel guilty because I've spent all this time and money on education when it, you know, with college or post-college degrees, things like that. Cause that was big. I was like, you know, I have a, a bachelor's and a master's degree. I've spent a lot of money on my degrees yeah. and I'm not going to use them, <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, you never know when those skills you, you acquired are going to benefit you as an entrepreneur, because you have to, in the beginning, do everything. You have to know how yeah. to do so many different things when you're running a business that, those little skills you've learned are going to creep in somewhere somehow. Absolutely. They will. Uh, so, you know, this, this podcast though, it sounds like it's a pretty easy transition or not transition is the wrong word I'm looking for, but a pretty easy uh, business card more or less for local people who want to work with you or even abroad, you know, you can jump on a zoom call and help mm-hmm. them out. I mean, uh, the podcast thing for me, honestly, wasn't something I, set out to do initially it was um you know the hustle energy brand started out as a product and through a year and a half of banging my head against the wall trying to get a product out it's like all right while i'm working on this why don't i talk to other entrepreneurs and you know find out you know what makes them tick and what you know some of their struggles are and be able to share it with other people and it's been an awesome experience i've been able to connect with a lot of great people and I love the podcasting platform now. So uh, it's something I'll definitely continue, even though it wasn't, you know, in, in the plans initially. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you, you've got your voice out there and you're, you're sharing it with people. And really it's, it's fantastic that you're just sharing that information out there because um, a lot of people resonate with that. You know, they all have excuses and you're just kind of throwing it out there, helping them out. And then they're like, okay, she knows this much, well, she must know a lot more. I've got to hire her, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely sort of a, you know, the tip of the iceberg sort of thing. Like, Hey, I'm going to give you all the stuff that I can give you. And then if you want to go deeper and you want to go more one-on-one, let's, let's do it together. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's been really fun. And the same thing you said, like I've met some really amazing people through the interviews I've done. And, you know, when I first started it, I was like, Oh, this will be a fun, you know, kind of way for me to get 
my content out there in a different way than just typing it out. But, and again, I also, I wanted to help other people because ultimately that's one of my favorite things to do is to help women find their passion in their business or be able to provide things for their family. But it's really given me a lot because I've made some amazing connections and friendships in the industry and outside of my industry and just been able to connect with people and that, that I would never have met in a million years right. had it not been for this. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. Um, and it's got to be pretty fulfilling to, you know, help others uh, see what, you know, make those little tweaks and, mm-hmm. you know, see their businesses take off. Oh yeah. It's been so fun. I've had a couple of women that were in that photography group I mentioned before mm-hmm. that I sort of knew through different meetups we'd done and stuff. And then they would come in and do workshops or mentor sessions with me. And now one of them is actually in a kind of a mastermind, local mastermind group that we mm-hmm. do. And I've watched her business go from just baseline zero. Like she's just starting with no knowledge to this super successful photography business where she's able to be full time and provide for her family. And it's just been incredible to see the growth there. And that's one of the reasons why I like meeting with the people who are local to the Dallas area. Not that I don't want to reach other people too, Mm -hmm. but when you can kind of have that personal connection with them and you know, you run into them at places or you can say, let's, Hey, let's go have dinner and, and catch up and you can get to know them a little more on a deeper level than just, you know, listening to them through a podcast or, right. <laughs> or that one time meeting, you know, that you might have with a mentorship or something like that. Yeah. And I, I like that you are, you know, sharing your information specifically with other photographers. Uh, we talked before about how my wife used to do photography and the mindset here in Salt Lake City is very, the scarcity mindset. It's mm-hmm. trying to a lot of photographers would rather spend more time cutting the other person down rather than building up their business. And really it is, it is abundant. There is enough, enough work out there for many photographers in (laughs) each area, but a lot of people see it as more of a threat. And so by you just volunteering that information, you're, you're promoting that uh, abundant mindset, which is really cool. Yeah, I hope so. Because I think we have that here too, a little bit in the Dallas area, you know, and especially people will come into the Facebook group, you know, and the, the one I run is we have about 1700 members currently. Mm-hmm. And when people come into it, they're like, oh my gosh, 1700 people in just this one area. Right. That's a lot. And I'm like, well, no, it's really not because some of them are just hobbyists. Some of them are just mm-hmm. taking pictures of their own kids. Some of them might be photographing newborns and you shoot high school seniors. You're That's two totally different markets you're looking at, you know, and I use this example all the time at there's about four other senior photographers nearby me. And I used to shoot high school seniors. And I mm-hmm. said, I was doing a workshop one time and someone asked that question. They said, well, how do you, how do you not feel like that? You're just another name on a list of photographers. I'm like, well, think about this. If you live in an area where let's say there's four high schools near you and each just for round numbers, each high school has a thousand seniors in their graduating class. And I was like, and let's say you only shoot senior girls. Let's say half of those are senior. You're still looking at 2000 senior girls just in your area alone. There's no way you by yourself could even photograph that many if you tried. So if there's five of you in your area, even the five of you couldn't shoot all 2000 of those in a year, if you really want to, you know, it's Mm -hmm. there. And when, once I explained it that way, she was like, Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But sometimes we get so caught up in our own little bubble 
And I think that's part of the hard part of being an entrepreneur is you spend a lot of time on your own yep. and you get very much in your head and it's really easy to get kind of into that spiral of, oh my gosh, I'm not good enough because I'm looking at everybody else's work and it's amazing. Or there's so many other photographers, how can I compete? And sometimes you need to get out of your own head. You need to have a conversation with somebody else that kind of puts things in perspective. And so hopefully what I can do is either through the mentorship classes that I offer, workshops and the podcast, I can be that voice that says, no, it's going to be okay. (laughs) You know, like get out of your head, get out of your own way. You got this. You're not, you know, it's not a matter of trying to scramble for the next client. There are more than enough clients out there for everybody that wants to do this. Yeah. Like, like you said, I, I think my, my biggest enemy is my own brain. Like just, (laughs) just thinking of overthinking things. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I definitely am my own worst enemy at times. So I completely understand that. Yeah. Um, so you're going through this process. You've obviously had, uh, a fair amount of success in this, but what would you say has been your biggest failure in this, in your venture on your own? And what have you learned from it? Oh, um, I've had a lot of failures, <laughs> um, a lot of little ones, a lot of some, a couple of big ones. I think my biggest failure has been thinking that things are going to happen faster than they do. Mm. You know, I think it, I did this with my photography business when I started out, I thought, Oh, I'm just going to create a website and create a Facebook page and just put it out there. And if I build it, they'll come. And I didn't do anything else to try to market myself or get myself out there. And I allowed that to frustrate me to the point where I was like, okay, should I really be doing this? You know? Yeah. And then the same thing with when I started getting into the education side of things, I had built up this reputation in my photography business as being, you know, successful and having kind of, I guess, clout in my area for being known as a certain photographer with weddings and boudoir and things like that. And being known in my area as like kind of a go-to resource. And so I thought, oh, well, with my education business, I can just create something and it's going to take off. And I just had this idea for this membership site. I spent a couple of months creating it. I put a lot of energy into it. I put it out there and it just fell flat on its face because Mm -hmm. I... And I took it personally at first. I thought, okay, well, clearly I'm not as great as I thought I was. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently I let, you know, things go to my head. But once I stepped away from it and I allowed kind of the dust to settle from it and I, you know, got around some of my other friends and we were talking about it and I, I, you know, I was crying and I was upset and I was like, I have failed. And they said, it's not a failure. You just weren't focusing on the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I really started looking into it. And I think my biggest takeaway from it was I was creating what I thought people wanted instead of looking at what do the people want and then creating that. And so I was looking more at like, well, what's going to benefit me and what would I, what would I want instead of asking people, well, what is it that's going to benefit you? How can I create something for you? And so now I've taken that lesson and moving forward, I'm looking at everything as, okay, even in my podcast, I'm like, okay, well, what topics do you want to hear about? Because Mm -hmm. I know what I want to talk about, but if what I want to talk about isn't what you want to hear, then it's not going to benefit either one of us. So I think that was my biggest takeaway from a couple of the little failures. And then of course, the big product failure that I had was just 
stop worrying so much about what I think is right and, and give for what the clients want give, create for what your, your target audience wants. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I, I totally understand that. And I get in that trap as well. It's like, okay, what do I want? And fortunately mm-hmm. through things like, um, even things like Instagram stories, it's really easy to gauge things, uh, really quickly as you're, you're, yeah. you're testing things out or, you know, you have a question on a product and it's like, okay, let's just throw it out there. People will give you their feedback. That's, oh, that's yeah. for sure. So, <laughs> well, and I think it's hard to, and I don't know if this is just me, but like I can be kind of stubborn. And so once I put my mind to something, I'm like, no, but this is how I'm doing it. Cause it's going to look really awesome and it's going to be mm-hmm. really cool. But then I put it out there and it's hard at first to sometimes hear the feedback and realize that what you've created isn't exactly as great as you thought it was, mm-hmm. but I've had to learn to sort of open myself up a little bit more and let go of the things that I guess not take things personally is a good way to put it. Like not to separate myself from what I've created and say, okay, well it's not that I've done something wrong. It's just that I need to make a few changes and I don't need to throw everything out just because one thing isn't working. I just need to figure out how to tweak it all. And so it's been a learning process and I think you're right. Like we have such access to just asking people questions. I mean, we have social media and email list and, so many different ways to just instantly get feedback that yeah. we need to be doing that more often so that we know exactly what it is our audience wants. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I've learned in creating this product, even just changing the the way the name is, is you know, presented, mm-hmm. um, that made a difference to people and what they expected out of the product. And so it's just those little things that, you know, initially... I did the same thing. I put something out there. It was still in a sample stage, but Mm -hmm. I put something out there and I didn't get the feedback I wanted to hear. And then, you know, tweak it a little bit, just tweak how I present the product and people suddenly fell in line and understood what I was trying to, trying to accomplish. So definitely understand where you're coming from on that. Um, I'm glad you're persevering and you're, you're persistent and you are, stubborn, which is good in, in a lot of ways that you'll, you'll keep trying, even though it may not be exactly the way you envisioned it. Yeah. Well, I think it helps, you know, you were mentioning, I think at one point before about the fact that people don't talk enough about their failures. Mm-hmm. We talk a lot about the success and I was listening to a couple other podcasts and one of them, it was the, I think it was the Jasmine star, her new podcast. And mm-hmm. she went through, there was a whole episode where she kind of talked about some of the things that she struggled with and some of the failures that she's had. And there was around that same time I listened, this is all back when this product launch kind of fell on its face. And I listened to another podcast where the same thing, like it was, they were talking about the fact that we don't talk enough about the struggle. We talk a lot about the shiny end product. We don't talk about the, the behind the scenes of what all went into that. And that helped me get through that time where I was struggling with the idea that I had failed at something to hear that other people who are now I look at as being, well, they've, they seem to have it all together. And I'm like, Oh no, we all have those struggles. So that's a, I think that's a big thing. I think more people need to talk about the not so shiny side of running a business. That's not, it doesn't all come out perfectly in the wash. There's a lot of work and, and trial and error that goes into it. That's not so pretty. Yeah. I think we're good at talking about how hard it is, Mm-hmm. But that that to a lot of people could just be, okay, you have to put in a lot of hours. 
to get that success. But really it's taking those failures, learning from them, building upon them, and then continuing on. That's what really makes it hard to be mm-hmm. an entrepreneur. So I appreciate that you understand that. And, you know, like, like I said, uh, I think it was before we started recording, but yeah, it's, we don't talk enough about the failures because people need to understand we all did, we all go through it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I completely agree. Completely agree. Yeah. So, uh, since this is the hustle of the day podcast, how do you personally define the word hustle? Oh, so for me, hustle, it's just about getting up every day and figuring out what the next step is. You know, I think it's stepping outside your comfort zone is a big one Mm -hmm. for me personally. Um, You know, I, in the beginning of starting a business, I thought, oh, I just have to do X, Y, Z and it'll all fall into place. Because again, that's kind of what I thought I saw in people, other people doing. And it was that realization that, no, there's a lot of work that goes into it. And I think, you know, it's, there's really no one way to define hustle, in my opinion. I think it's every day you get up and you look at what needs to be accomplished and you put in the work to get it done and you get out of your comfort zone and you do things that you never thought you would do. And, you know, you market yourself and you talk about yourself and you make connections with people and and then you, the next day you get up and you do it all over again and it looks different every single day, but you are constantly pushing yourself towards a goal. And then once you get to that goal, you're pushing yourself to the next goal and the next goal, and mm-hmm. you're just always moving forward. So I think to me, the hustle is that continuous movement forward. Even if some days it's little baby steps and other days it's huge giant leaps, Yeah, it's doing something every single day. That's very cool. I appreciate that uh, that description, and I completely agree with you. It's <laughs> moving moving things forward, even on the days you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. That will definitely create some momentum. That's yeah. that's really awesome. Or I, on the I days love... when you when you feel like it should be moving faster than it is, and you're like, yep. <laughs> "Why am I not taking giant leaps?" And why are they? But those little baby steps are still just as important as those big leaps too. It's just sometimes you. It's hard to see that. <laughs> yeah. I love that you also mentioned getting out of your comfort zone. And I think that is a huge part of it because that's where you grow. I mean, when you are out of your comfort zone, that's when you're really growing. And uh, that's a great way to grow your business too, is mm-hmm. to get out of that, that thing that's already working. You know, a lot of people use the the phrase, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But at the same time, if you just stay the status quo, eventually you get comfortable and eventually you're going to get left behind. So getting uncomfortable yep. is, is, a, is a good way to, to have that continue the growth. Yeah, I agree. And uh, believe it or not, uh, one thing I'm not very comfortable with is talking. So I'm... <laughs> <laughs> you're doing a my, great job. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm get, definitely getting out of my comfort zone and doing a podcast. But uh, like, like you mentioned, you know, it's, it's something you felt comfortable with. It's your you know, your skill set isn't writing. Mm-hmm. Same with me. Uh, so the it's great that you have that voice and you're out there using it and uh, sharing sharing your gift with others. So well, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I want to be aware of your time and not take too much of your time, but I want to ask you one more question: Is you know what excites you about the future? Oh, wow. Um, it's a good question. A lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I think for one, 
you know, my youngest daughter is, I have about a year and a half left before she starts school. And so right now, personally, I'm excited about spending that time with her and focusing on the things that she and I can do together before she starts, you know, that kindergarten and and she's gone all day. And I'm trying to remind myself that things happen when they're supposed to happen because I will get ideas and I get excited about something and then I get frustrated that I don't have the time to do it because she's with me all the time. And so I'm looking forward to slowing down a little bit and just kind of enjoying that time with her. And then in saying that, I'm also going to say I'm excited about the things coming up in my business, which, you know, one of the things is taking this podcast and the idea that I had this sort of um, item, this product I'd created that sort of was a flop. And I'm going to take in the feedback I've received and I'm going to work on creating an online course um, that people will be able to hopefully purchase in the future. Um, That's still sort of in the very early beginning stages, Mm -hmm. but it's taking a failure that I had and learning from it and repurposing it a different way. So I'm excited to dive into that and just sort of see what happens there. But yeah, and then just connecting with people. I'm excited to to see who I meet going forward through this podcast and other things that I've coming up with local networking events that I'm creating mm-hmm. and um, always looking for new people and new opportunities that, you know, being open to things that come my way that I maybe don't even see coming. Yeah, that's awesome. You've got a lot of exciting things on the horizon, it sounds like. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm excited. One thing you mentioned, though, that uh, I've had somebody else mention before is that the slow down to speed up. Um, they they had a similar uh, mindset. They needed to slow down and focus on family a little bit more. But when you're in those moments and you come back to work, you tend to have a little bit more clarity on what you need to speed up that business rather than, you know, halfway thinking about, you know, your kid in front of you, halfway thinking about mm-hmm. your business, you know, you're, you devote your mind to that, to that situation that you're in. So when you get back to the to the business, you almost come back to it with new eyes. And so yeah, that refreshed feeling is really nice. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So I agree that, you know, slowing down can actually speed up your business as well. So I think you've, you've got, uh, you've got a good head on your shoulders right now for that, for that aspect. Um, but I'm, I'm excited to see where this all goes and I'm excited for your new course and, you know, uh, all the things that you're going to be doing with your business. But I want to give you some time to shout out anyone in particular, tell people where to find you and find out more information about you. Yeah, thank you. So for my photography business, it's Paisley Lane Photography on all platforms. So I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, and then with my podcast, it's called Girl Means Business. And it's on all the podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and then same thing with on Instagram, it's Girl Means Business. And so I do weekly episodes, I do interviews and solo episodes, um, all business marketing related, life related, mom related, <laughs> anything anything kind of similar we talked about today as far as balancing that whole sort of life, business, mom world. Mm-hmm. And so we get into all of that. Very cool. Yeah. And I'll make sure to include links to those things in the description for the show as well. So um, you can just click on those and uh, find out more about Kendra. But Thank you uh, so much. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your day. Uh, like you, we talked about before, you've got family coming in and for the holidays. And so I appreciate that you were willing to take some time out of that to uh, to talk to me. 
Yeah, well, I appreciate it. This has been really fun. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. So all those that were listening, I know I got value out of this, so I'm sure you got value out of this as well. And I encourage you to get out there and hustle the day. Thanks for listening to the Hustle the Day podcast all the way through. I really appreciate that. I just want to let you know that I help small businesses with their online strategy. So if you or anyone that you know needs help with their online strategy and owns a small business, I'm your guy. Go ahead and connect with me at Trent V. Bray on Instagram or TrentVBray.com.